Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Esterworld podcast. And as usual, is my co-host, Quinn. Hello. Um, we're, we're back. We're going to actually, I think for the first time since we started doing the podcast this way, have a, have a full show of just talking about theme parks. No no yep. other topics today because um, we actually have a, a quite a bit of like new things we're introducing to the podcast. I was listening to um, another podcast and the, the host said, if you haven't done at least 100 podcasts, you have no idea what you're doing. Um, so we are still in the territory of having no idea what we're doing. Um, but I'm gonna let you guys know what we're gonna be we're talking talk, what we're gonna be talking about today. Um, first, obviously, the newest episode of Yesterworld was on the Country Bear Jamboree. Yep. Um, I did that episode, um, and prior to that was the Great Movie Ride, which we talked about last week. Uh, we're gonna introduce we're trying to introduce like segments that we're doing each week, um, and one that we're introducing this week is this week in theme park history, where we're gonna talk about something that happened during you know the time we're recording back in the day. And this year, or this week, it was uh, Revenge of the Mummy, which opened this week, or May 21st, so a little ahead, but still. Uh, we're going to be talking this, about this that. This week slash this month, you know, it kind of depends where they where they fall. To be determined. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we can find something for each week. I mean, we're not going to do the same segments every week, but right. uh, for this one, it's Revenge of the Mummy. Uh, then we're going to introduce another segment that Mark came up with, uh, which he calls Short-Lived. Uh, and we're going to talk about either an attraction or, or really anything in one of the theme parks that uh, was didn't last so long. Again, to be determined how long we decide on. We're thinking either five years or ten years. Um, what would actually justify calling it short-lived? Um, yeah, but for and it this, has to do with the history as well because things that happened a long time ago, it's you know there's less information. So I, really, it's kind of to bring attractions or experiences to you guys that maybe you didn't know about because they were, you know, not around for a super long time. Whereas now something can be around for a month and everyone knows about it, you know? Yeah. And we're doing ice station cool, um, which Mark's going to probably take the lead on because I didn't know it was a thing until Mark, uh, shared the notes for the show with me. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, kind of the, the full deal for today. Um, so I wanted to, since we're going to start with a exploration and uh, extended conversation of the Country Bears Jamboree, I don't know if other people have this. Um, I almost contributed to, it's my own little weird version of the Mandela effect, because the version I could have sworn that I grew up, you know, ever since I was like seven or whatever, um, seeing as a kid in Disneyland was the Country Bears Jamboree. I always thought that I was seeing the original show. And you brought it, you know, to my attention because in the video you mentioned how when's the date that they started doing the hoedown and then they did, like, when did they begin that? 1986. Yeah. So, and so then that was there. Or when at Disneyland did it begin and then it never reverted back to the original? 1986 for oh, really? both. That, okay. Well, that's part of my confusion because I could have sworn that I grew up on the original Country Bear Jamboree. But then when I was watching your episode and at first I remember writing it as like a note like, oh, you got this wrong. But I've been wrong the whole time. The version I grew up with was the, the hoedown version. And that's the one I have in my head. That's the one um, that... I always think about, and I attribute it to, and I'm sure everyone probably had this at some point, but the 1993 VHS A Day at Disneyland, and that had the hoedown version. And so I think my brain just somehow just got confused and thought that was the original Disneyland version that I grew up with. So um, I, that's what I, that was the more interesting, um, aside from all the history, to me, that was my like big takeaway that I've been living a, a Disney lie for all these years. And you said that you went to Walt Disney World as a kid a couple times, and you were wondering why that version was so different from Disneyland's, which you thought was the original. Yeah, I went once uh, when I was like 12, and then later in my um, college years is when I started going more frequently. But I just think it's funny how sometimes we think we know an attraction or we we grew up with a certain version of an attraction and then we find out it wasn't because I don't know that that just really kind of threw me off and and I also just had no idea that the Country Bears Jamboree went so far back into um 
you know, Disney history and especially with the, the ski resort. I really didn't know anything about that. I thought it was super interesting. Well, to a lot of people, I suppose the vacation hoedown was was the definitive version. I mean, at Disneyland, it was around longer than the original was because the original was from 72 to 86. And that one was from 86 to 2001. Um, So it was around a little bit longer than the original was. And I mean, I guess I never I, I tried to really pinpoint why they decided to replace it at Disney World and not Disneyland. I suppose it was just because. The Country Bears were never as popular in Disneyland than they were at Disney World, so they just didn't bother. Um, I don't know. Because, I, I mean, at Disney World, they're like, oh, nope, we got to go back. But at Disneyland, they just yeah. left it for, you know, close to 20 yeah, years. Yeah, because when it comes to Disney World, Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom, you know, there was the Mickey Mouse Review, and then there was the Country Bear Jamboree. And from my research, the Country Bear Jamboree was the bigger of the two, the way bigger of the two, to the point where I read that, you know, the queue would stretch out into uh, Frontierland and even Liberty Street. Um, By way bigger, you mean popular? Yeah, more popular. Uh, Attendance was way higher. Uh, So much so that then the Mickey Mouse Review, in a short amount of years, was reduced from a, I'm going to butcher this, because I think it was was either a C ticket to a D ticket or an E ticket to a C ticket. I have it in my episode, but I'm forgetting now. But either way, it was was degraded in terms of, or not degraded, but it was lowered in terms of the, um, you know, the order of the price, price, you know, the, the, the ticket book, book, the, the ticket book. I cannot say book today. Like it was demoted from like a yeah. E to a you know lower. Back class. in the ticket ticket system, I'm not even gonna try to say that anymore. You know what I mean? The people the know, ticket yeah, people know. Book days, it was lowered. You know, so it was a less expensive ticket, and so, I mean, that just shows how popular Country Bears was, I guess. And I'm not sure why. I'd be curious to hear some insider information on why Disney World stayed, and Disneyland's why one was more expendable. Than the other, other than Disneyland's, maybe just wasn't as as popular with tourists. Well, Disney World was an opening day attraction at the Magic Kingdom. Disneyland, it was just a cloned, you know. I mean, I think that makes a big difference for them wanting to hold on to opening day attractions. Yeah, because I remember growing up, and again, my now that I know my whole life is a lie, I just maybe it is because I only went to Disney World once when I was twelve until my twenties. That I just, because I'd never really done a ton of research in the Country Bears, aside from the Christmas special, that in my mind, like, the one that was on that VHS was the one that, like, the original Disneyland version. And for some reason, I guess I thought that the hoedown one was the, you know, maybe they had had that forever at Disneyland. So that just kind of blows my mind. Well, and, it was you know. it was also funny because when we were talking before you watched uh, my episode, I remember you had said, like, oh, I didn't know anything about the vacation version right um but i I guess i bet a big part of that is because at disneyland um that show like from the outside of the building like it was just called the country bear playhouse it wasn't it wasn't labeled the country bear vacation jamboree like on probably the main sign i mean it did say it like in other places but because the thought was and there was really no evidence of this other than just kind of speculation but uh, the idea was when they changed the name of the building to the Country Bear Playhouse that they were going to rotate other versions of the show, you know? So it was just going to be called the Country yeah. Bear Playhouse, and every X amount of years they would introduce a new version of the show. But that never happened, and it just stayed the Country Bear Playhouse. Um, it's kind of a reoccurring I mean, theme, like Star Tours. That was the initial plan was to every so, you know, every few years swap out this show or the, the film and, you know, have you go to planets like Endor or Hoth or whatever. Um, and there's another attraction. I can't remember right now that I was reading Neutron. about. Yeah, that, I think that was it. Yeah, that was the other one. So I guess it's a popular theme in theme park hi- history where, you know, the original idea would be to swap it out, but never, you know, I think it's now it's easier with technology and everything, but back then where you had to program the rides differently and you know obviously it would have been way more complicated yeah i mean i also think you know just speak just to stay on this topic because i wanted to talk about it a little more i think the reason disneyland never caught on quite as well was just because of its location i mean it really is that like that that ride is in like the worst possible spot i mean even now pooh bear like it's so off 
the beaten path, you right. know? Like, you have to kind of just bottleneck yourself back by Splash Mountain, and there's really nothing else back there. Yeah, like, it's not on its way to anything. Like, really. Um, you know, because the, the restaurant comes first, I believe. It's been a while since I've been to Disneyland, but it, if you're going down that path first, you would come by the restaurant and then Splash Mountain, and then you'd have to keep going, unless I'm wrong, but then you have to keep going, and then you get to Country Bear Jamboree. Well, I think you can get into shops. Splash Mountain without even going back way back there i think you can enter splash mountain from like way before you even have to go all the way like the, there's another I, I could be wrong but I, th- I think there's an entrance to splash mountain like not even back there like from the front um so i don't even think yeah. you have to go all the way back by Pooh, which what it is what it now yeah. is so i mean i think they'd be more you know if they were to ever replace Pooh, which i suppose they won't but um if they were to ever put a different attraction there they should actually put something there that would draw people to that part of the park um because I know when I went, I, I did I did ride that ride this summer, and the park was really busy that day, but I, like, walked on Pooh. Because who is going to go out of their way other than rabid Pooh fans to go on Pooh? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not a draw me away from everything else kind of ride. Yeah. Versus, like, Space Mountain is. Even though Space Mountain is, you know, you could kind of miss it if you didn't know it was there where it is at Disneyland. Um it's such a big ride, like, you're going to go out of your way to go on that ride. Yeah, and unless you're really itching to go into the... Because they have the, you know, the... Not the bakery, but where they make all the treats. You know, that's in the back area as well. And, of course, if you exit from Splash Mountain, you would go by it. Um, I, I don't know if other people have had this, but since I grew up with Disneyland, and then the last three years I've been going to Disney World nonstop... I, I sometimes get them confused because there are so many elements of Magic Kingdom, um, especially that they're similar but then yet different. It's almost like the, you know, the doppelganger version. So sometimes, I, if I am mistaken about the layout, sometimes in my brain I'm getting Disneyland's Critter Country mixed up with Magic Kingdom's Frontierland because they're similar but not. Um, but either way, it definitely is out of the way at Disneyland, especially more so than at Magic Kingdom. Yeah, and I mean, I guess one thing I'll say, because I was surprised I didn't see any comments about it, and I know we talked about it, because um, originally this episode, and this is kind of the point of us talking about it on the podcast, is to talk about stuff that wasn't discussed in the actual episode. Um, but originally I was going to have a part of the episode just talking about each of the characters, because that's a big part of, like, I don't even want to say this, uh, country bear lore. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like it was just it was just too much and just kind of grinded the video to a halt to, like, go through a biography of each of these bears. Like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there were some people that would have wanted to hear, especially if I would have covered the songs, too, considering there was a different lineup for each version of the show. And then Japan's version of uh, the Christmas one and the vacation one had different songs, too. It would have just been like, just I, mean, I think it would have been so boring to ninety five percent of people. Well, it's hard. You know, it's difficult because when you're making an episode, you have to balance pacing and telling a good, you know, story, and you don't want to meander too much because it. I think every episode that either one of us do, it'd be so easy. You know, I was talking with Quinn just before this phone call. I'm working on. Um, the history of Alice in Wonderland. And there's an aspect of it that I'm really tempted to cover, but it's so out of the way of the story and would just distract. It'd be a giant rabbit. Well, no pun intended, but it'd be like a giant rabbit hole to go down or a bunny trail. I guess that's the right word. I have too much Alice on my mind that to go spend a minute, two minutes, three minutes on something that really has nothing to do with the overall story of the attraction and its history. It's just an interesting little tidbit that I don't think many people knew, but to explain it properly and to have it not just be half explained, I'd have to go into it and it just, it's, it would just meander too much. So we have to make those decisions sometimes at the sacrifice of having people think that we missed it but usually it's that we didn't it's not that we missed it it's just that we chose not to include it because and this is subjective but we chose to not include it because didn't think it was important to the the main you know goal of the story or the main narrative through line yeah like like he said it's or like mike mark said not mike um 
it's it's all it all just depends on each like situation like i don't know I, i'm sure people realize this but every episode is different and every episode like uh, like i like i've said there have been episodes where i'm like oh this is gonna be so easy right i'm gonna get this done in half the time of the last episode and then it takes me twice the time like harry potter was the harry potter episode i did was just like I pretty much made like three set that that episode was originally going to be on just Forbidden Journey, um, and then it just turned into something completely different to where like that's one of my favorite episodes I'd, I've made. But I pretty much made a whole episode on Forbidden Journey, and then I was like, well, if I'm gonna cover Forbidden Journey, I kind of need to cover this first. So then it just turned into a completely different video, and I still might do Forbidden Journey someday. But um, I guess that's nice because if, I feel like our videos are just like like not. Like, like, if you were going to watch one as a viewer, like, you don't really know where it's going to go or how it's going to go. Like, right. structurally, like, everyone's kind of different. Well, I mean, I and I know you have the similar goal, but for me, it's always just to bring, it's like to tell a good story, but also to bring things to the table that maybe haven't been explored, as long as they align with the story of the attraction. And that's where it gets difficult to not just have a bunch of, no, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know this? Because it's stuff that it maybe I didn't know, or I think most people don't. But if it doesn't tie too much into the story, but that's a good, th- you know, I've had episodes where halfway through I realized I needed to change the direction, or I realized the first half doesn't work. I know my Peter Pan one was, <laughs> as long as it was, it was even longer because I covered more about Fantasyland and and um, Alice in Wonderland and a lot of things. And I realized, you know, but that I wanted to focus it more and then save the other stuff for future episodes. You're not just, you know, repeating yourself too much because that's the other hard thing when you're talking about a ride in Fantasyland. It gets difficult to then not repeat some of the same information when you talk about any of the other Fantasyland dark rides or whatever, you know, when it comes to like the history of how it, it came to be or how it came to leave. I just felt like going through, like, the bios of each of the bears almost wasn't history. I mean, it is, but at the same time, it's just, like, it's like at that point, yeah, you're right. It's just, like, trivia. Like, anybody could look up an article with the bios for each of the bears, um, which is something I just try to... I like my videos to be kind of concise and not going all over the place. Um, but, yeah, that's kinda, I mean, that's the point of the pe- for the people that listen to this podcast is kind of hear the... Not, I mean, at least for me, like, just vent about the the trials and tribulations of making uh, one, one of these videos because everyone's just, I don't know. It's, I mean, Mark's been doing it for, what, two years? Um, yeah, like two and, and a half know. years almost, I think. And I've been going for like five months or so making these videos because um, for the most part, like Mark makes his videos and I make mine and then, you know, Mark will watch it before it goes up and then it goes up. And, you know, I mean, they're definitely similar but we definitely have different i don't know different ways of going at videos and also just our interests are different i tend to lean towards the newer stuff like 90s to now where mark like loves the 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 earlier history for sure yeah that's always been my more even since i was a kid more of my fascination and yeah because you know one of the main goals in the beginning was to keep the editing close enough and style close enough because they'd be very distracting and to me very disjointed to have one episode be you know older history and then the new in the next episode you know the subject matter obviously can change but if the style of the editing and everything was completely different it would be really distracting so I think we found a good balance of you bringing your own style and um storytelling methods and approach into your videos and I do mine my way but then having enough similarities in terms of the editing and the structure and not narrative structure but like the literal editing structure or the visuals especially to find a a balance and I think that's that worked uh, pretty well Um, it took a while but I'm glad it I'm glad we made the effort and took the time to do that prior to the first episode rather than doing the first episode, which was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and then being like, oh, maybe we should make it more alike, because that's, I think, you know, having synergy and uh, having it not be super, you know, obvious in terms of the the visual style, because that would just be really um, distracting, and I think by this point, I'm having to 
uh, have less um, input because you pretty much took the, you know, you got caught up to speed really fast, you know, because it, it could have been the opposite where it took forever. But I think, I think we're at a, a very good place and have been for a while. Yeah. And I mean, the subjects I want to cover are usually different. Like Mark would never cover something as new as, say, Revenge of the Mummy, which I don't know if you knew, but it actually opened on May 21st of 2004, this week in theme park history. Um, wasn't sure if you were aware of that. I was when I looked it up, but that's oh. a very, very good segue into it. Um, but yeah, for anyone, uh, for you know, this segment that we're kind of wanting to discuss things that happened in this week and slash or month, it depends... We'll see how it goes. If we can find one that always happens within the week, we'll do that. But for this month, so May 21st um, is when The Mummy, Revenge of the Mummy officially opened and had replaced Confrontation, which I know was pretty big deal to a lot of people because Confrontation, even though it had its kinks in the beginning um, and near the end, I hear that his movement was nowhere near as drastic as it had been initially but a lot of people really missed it uh when it was replaced i never i i'm upset because i never got to experience it because the one time me and my family went to universal when i was like 12 or sorry we went to florida orlando florida it was pretty much disney and no universal or universal no disney so we chose disney and so I would have gotten to experience it had we gone to both. And I would have gotten to experience Nickelodeon Studios, which also I'll never get over the fact that I never got to see that in person because I was obsessed with Nickelodeon growing up. But, uh, yeah, so long story short, I never got to experience it myself. And, and you were saying that you think you might have? I'm not sure. Um, I, I was just saying before the podcast started that the first time I visited the theme parks, I was four which was 2002 and it closed in late 2002 and I know we went in the summer so it must have been there I, I I would assume we rode it but I also know that I didn't ride I should ask my older sister because I know I didn't ride a bunch of the rides that like my parents thought were like gonna freak me out like I rode Alien Encounter and I still remember that vividly because I was just I, I suppose it was like the the age-old tale of my parents didn't know it was a scary ride and then we go on it, and I'm, like, screaming, you know? So I, I, I would guess either I went on it or my family did and I didn't or something. Um, but it might it might have been there. I mean, I suppose it doesn't matter because I don't I don't remember. Um, but, yeah. Well, I have a I similar mean, I, thing with um, Magic Kingdom. I mean, I'll jump right back to this in a second. But with Magic Kingdom, I know I went there as part of our trip to Orlando because I remember other experiences, and I remember my dad going on alien encounter and i was too afraid um but i don't remember writing snow white and it was driving me crazy when i did that episode because i know i would have gone on it because i wasn't that scared like to not go on a Fantasyland ride but i have no real distinct memory of the version that would have been around when i went so i don't know if i didn't or if it was down or or because that's the other thing with confrontation it had so many mechanical issues it very well could have been closed when you went that's true, too, especially in summer of 2002 when it's on its last uh, few months yeah. open. So I yeah, wish I had a, a memory point. of it. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I guess we can't, uh, you know, anyone can always you know tweet at us to let us know how you um, how you felt. But to me, looking at, uh, you know, ride footage and everything, I wish I could go off personal memory. But from people I've talked to, they've pretty much said, yeah, it was very fun and, you know, really entertaining but they didn't seem too devastated by what replaced it because of how great the mummy turned out to be. Um, but of course, yeah, I, I do think it's tough when you have an attraction like that that was, you know, there from the beginning. And I hear the ending was just so incredible, having Kong so big in front of you and it being an actual practical you know, animatronic and him lowering you. And I guess that was... I always thought on the video it kind of looked like you just kind of gently lowered it. But I was talking to someone, and they were saying, like, no, it was a drop. Like, it was a real drop that was pretty intense. Um, so I, I don't know. I wish I could have experienced it. But 
maybe it did. I, it's hard to say with you because know, I wrote something like Jaws. I can talk more to um, about in terms of having written it myself, but. Now, I'm sure a lot of people missed it, but I don't really see it holding up now unless they've done a really big redesign or, you know. No, it'd be like E.T. where you ride it and you f- – it. well, it'd probably be worse. It'd probably – not okay, not worse. I'm not saying E.T. is bad. Don't, don't no. crucify me. I love I'm E.T. I'm saying that E.T., when you ride it now, it feels like an old ride that hasn't been updated right. since 1989. I mean, that is right. how it feels, and I love that for it. Yeah. That's kind of the reason I ride it, because it's like, how much longer is this going to be here? Well, they're uh, like, man, like, yeah, it's one of my favorite attractions of all time, but it's pretty obvious, and I, you could argue against it, but I think I would strongly disagree, because, I mean, they're pretty much mannequins. You know, it reminds me of the scene from, like, Home Alone, where he's, like, pulling on the strings of the mannequins to make them look like they're moving, and the cardboard cutouts and all that. That's kind of what it reminds me of, because... That's pretty much what they are, aside from the, the actual, you know, E.T. animatronic near the end of the attraction, of course. But it's and maybe that would have happened with Confrontation, where I can't really see them having just because of how incredibly large those Kong animatronics were and how complicated and expensive. I have a hard time imagining that they would have been willing to invest the, the money into redoing them to keep up with you know modern theme park expectations et is another story it's a little different so i i really see why i guess they felt that um you know it's probably a good time to i don't know like if say peter jackson's kong had been huge i mean the nice thing is that ride would be ridiculously easy to just say now it's peter jackson's kong and we're gonna update it with an animatronic that looks like that you know what i mean like it was kind of like the mummy where when the new mummy came out that Mark loved, um, Mark was a huge fan of the mummy. Oh yeah. Tom favorite, favorite movie. Favorite um, movie of the year. They, I mean, I went when that movie was about to be released and they absolutely were, they were hoping, they were hoping that it would be a hit and they could retheme yeah. the mummy as the mummy 2016 or whatever year it came out. Um, 2017. Um, but anyways, uh, I, I think that could, I, I I think they totally could have easily done that, but I mean, I will say with, I, I don't think there's a single ride, like a single ride that closed at Universal in the past that I would trade the Mummy for. The Mummy is the best ride at Universal. It's um, very impressive, and one thing I was gonna say, it, it would be pretty amazing to, I don't know, I had like an accent on that word. I was like amazing, amazing to um have a version of confrontation how it was in terms of the structure and going by the Kong with today's technology similar to the end of reign of kong where you just see his head and like the upper half of his torso having that technology in that confrontation experience would have been beyond incredible but obviously that you know the two were way far apart in terms of their development because that would be pretty intense to have that close of an encounter with kong but but i agree i think the mummy revenge of the mummy is one of the best rides at Universal, and I wish they'd transferred it over to Hollywood a little better and not have it be so shortened. Uh, I never really... It's funny because I, you know, didn't go to Universal uh, Orlando until I was early 20s, mid-20s, and by then I'd been to Universal Hollywood a bajillion times, so I'd always ridden The Mummy from Hollywood's version, and I was just so blown away the first time I read or rode the original Mummy, you know, at Universal Orlando. And I was like, oh, this is what I've been missing. Like, it just made more sense. I was like, oh, it, it was frustrating that they didn't just, I don't know. Hollywood's always uh, desperate for uh, more space. So I get why they were constrained in that way. But, man, what a, it's just such a great adventure from beginning to end as cheesy as it sounds from the treasure room to, you know, the, the fake ending and everything. It's just a great ride. I mean, I think I've, I think in the past I said, I think I said both things on this podcast, but, um, I recently went to universal Hollywood. Um, and to be fair, it was like the ideal theme park day, you know, like I was with a group of good sports that actually wanted to be there. Um, and it was pouring rain when we were on the way there. 
which sounds terrible, but the second we got there, it just stopped raining, so there was nobody there. Um, so it was, like, ideal conditions, but I had a blast on The Mummy that time, even in Hollywood. Like, it's obviously not even close to as good as Orlando, but it's still a fun, like, just thrilling coaster, you know? It is really yeah. short. I guess I have to just, um, having, having ridden on that one first and still always being kind of disappointed, and then especially after writing Orlando's version, um, I haven't ridden it in a long time because I haven't been to, Orlando, uh, to uh, Los Angeles in a long time, but I, I was just always super disappointed riding it. It's super, it's just, it's like by the time, just as you're starting to get into it, the ride's over. But That's I fair. Get, yeah. I mean, Universal Hollywood just in general kind of has yeah. a really terrible lineup of rides in my, like, I am not a fan of Transformers. I think Mark likes it a little more than I do. Yeah, I enjoy it for... Uh, I, I actually really did like the first Transformers movie. Not like love, and I don't think it's like a great masterpiece, but I enjoy it, you know, for what it is. Um, the rest of them I, I gave up after two, which, in my opinion, is one of the worst uh, Transformers. I've ever seen. The Transformers ride. I just... Every time I ride it, I just feel like I'm being, like, assaulted with yeah. loud noises, like just and then you get off and you're just like okay it's nowhere near as well constructed as the amazing spider-man and someone once pointed out that i didn't give enough love to the amazing spider-man when we were i think we were talking about screen rides um but i will say on the record spider-man is is an incredible attraction and the fact that they took the time to update the visuals right when they needed to and the blend of practical effects which does it way better than transformers um it's better constructed. You know, it's like you said, Transformers does have that kind of just throwing everything in your face. You're going through machines and you're going, it's just, it's, it's like a Michael Bay movie, obviously, but like Spider-Man's more, not subtle, but it's just better constructed where you, each scene has more of an impact and it's not as like, it's not information overload. Um, And you probably feel more a part of the, the adventure, but Amazing Spider-Man is amazing. Just putting that there for, I forget what we were talking about, but. Um, well, I was just saying that the lineup at Universal Hollywood, like, yeah, like I said, Transformers, I, I really think that ride is kind of crap. Um, I mean, it's okay, I guess, but like I said, I just, it feels like the ending of a, well, makes sense. feels like the ending of a Michael Bay movie yep. where it's just like a, a CGI fest. You're getting assaulted with loud noises and you're just like, I don't care what is going on. Like, whenever I'm on that ride, I'm just bored. I'm just like, I don't even care what's going on right now. Which is, which, it's hard to be bored on a ride. Um, Simpsons yeah. ride, it's okay. I think we both feel that way. It's, it's all yeah. right, I guess. Uh, the Kung Fu Panda Theater, which I don't think, or the DreamWorks Theater, I don't think you've been on. No. It's about what you would expect, um, but it doesn't have, like, the feels really outdated charm of Shrek 4D, which when I ride that at Orlando, I'm just like, man, this ride shouldn't be here anymore, but I kind of love it for that. Um, so Kung Fu Panda Theater, eh. What, what yeah. else is even there? I mean, the Harry Potter rides obviously are fine because they're the same rides. Um, anyways, I guess the and Jurassic Park was obviously down for construction when I was there. Right. So, like, their lineup of rides, I mean, it's just kind of like, I don't know. If you're going to Orlando, Hollywood, it's a one-day park, if that. Like, there's just not a lot to do there. Um, yeah, and that's why when I finally did go to Universal, it really just blew me away. Islands of Adventure was pretty much everything I'd hoped it would be. Harry Potter was everything I'd hoped it'd be. But I guess The Mummy just does take a special place in my heart because it just, even though it's an older attraction, I remember writing it and I was just so, it was exhilarating. And I love the chamber sequence and when he works because I feel like, Sometimes he's just a projection, but when the mummy animatronic does work, it's pretty ridiculously lifelike the way he comes out of the sarcophagus and, you know, when the door's coming down and the fake ending, just everything. I mean, I know we've talked about the ending ending being a little weird or not weird. What was the word he used? Because, uh, you know, it's the... Well, the fact that Brendan Fraser is there just reminds you, oh, yeah, this is themed around the movie from 2004. Which is amazing. It's a, you know, it's, uh, but it does kind of remind. It almost takes you out of it. But I guess it's okay since it's the very end of the ride, that you know it does date it quite a bit. But 
The character uh, from the beginning is from the movie too, isn't he? Um, the like the fat guy, right? Uh, the fat guy in the beginning of the ride. Isn't there? Isn't oh gosh! In the beginning of the ride, isn't there a guy like telling you like what you're? Maybe that's in the Hollywood version. He's like telling you what you're about to do, and then everything kind of goes wrong, and then the mummy's there, and you get cursed. That might. I'd have to go back and look at the Hollywood version because I don't. But I'm pretty sure that's not in the uh, Orlando version. You have like the, you know, the not cast member, but whatever you call Universal's version, where the guy, you know, that gets wrapped up by the mummy and he's like, "The curse, it's real." You know, they have that guy in it, and um, maybe I'm just old, making something up. I don't know. Or maybe I'm thinking of Indiana Jones. Maybe pre-show. That could be solid, but they uh, have more of a, you know, like a build up and i'm trying to remember i'm spacing on this as well that because the the employee or the worker who's uh all mummified by the mummy i think they actually allude to him earlier either in the queue or in one of the videos i think there's more of a story or a backstory to uh him but i don't want to uh uh say something and it's amazing how you can ride an attraction so many times and then there's some details where you just space on but well either way i mean i was the wrench of the mummy a good replacement yes if they get rid of it i'm gonna be upset because it's the best ride there i don't think it's my favorite ride but that's only because i'm a harry potter person so i but i would say it is hands down the best ride there if i guess it's hard that's where you get into the whole nostalgia well for me i would say et but obviously i'm coming from the standpoint of being a huge fan of the movie but would you say it's the best well that's what i mean favorite that's what i mean there's a difference between best and favorite et is my fave well that'd be tough between that and gringotts i'd have to say et is my favorite just because i love et gringotts of course is like the second but in terms of best uh that'd be tough because i'd want to say probably yeah because i do love gringotts and i do think it's well made but probably because it does rely so much on screens even though it is a great attraction and i i love the fake out drop i think it's i knew nothing about it when i rode gringotts and that was an amazing it's one of those things where you you experience it once and you never can relive that where i was genuinely just okay what's going on what where there, where's the track and i was like freaking out um and of course afterwards you know it's coming so that was a pretty incredible experience that I haven't had one of those moments on a ride in a long time, but I'd, I'd best it's tough. I'll, I'll say it's maybe a tie between Green Gods and the Mummy because it just there's different factors at play. You know, it's like you could go the pros and cons, I guess. But it'd be between those are the best, and then of course ET would be like my favorite just because I love that movie and hearing that music, but. I don't know uh, if I I don't know if I'd say there's any cons to the mummy. I just I don't know. I mean, other than, but I I guess me I I do have a weird thing where like if something feels weird and it shouldn't be there anymore, I kind of like it. Where I'm just like like Shrek 4D. Whenever I ride this, yeah. I'm just like, why is this still here? Well, the queue is really just, cool too in the mummy. I forgot to mention that it has yeah, a really cool is, queue. Yeah, I mean, so does every Harry, both Harry yeah, Potter rides. I mean, that's that's funny you say that though because I would personally I like Forbidden Journey more than escape from green gods um, oh yeah i'm talking just universal oh i guess i was talking both, resort both parks both um, parks i would probably again in, in terms of it's tough because like i love jurassic park because again it's one of my favorite movies but i don't even ride it that often because i don't like super super steep drops um i just don't think that can be the best ride anymore no like, i would probably just... say forbidden journey even more than the mummy just because again the first time i wrote it it was the closest a ride has gotten to Temple of the Forbidden Eye on my list of just immersion and incredible ride See, Forbidden Journey you know? still does that to me every time I ride it. Like the queue. I'm just like, oh yeah, God, it's amazing. The queue's better than the ride, maybe. I mean, I love the queue. Queue is incredible because like, how often do you, again, similar to, I always kind of compare it to Temple of the Forbidden Eye, where how often do you get to feel completely immersed into your favorite book and slash or movie or world. You know, obviously it's not like you're going through Indy's office or, well, you actually do technically, but you know what I mean? Like in terms of the atmosphere, you really feel immersed into the, 
the the world or the you know yeah <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> you know for I mean? escape from gringotts you're absolutely right i remember the first time i wrote it which was just uh i guess i man that was probably a year and a half ago now but the whole like lead up to the ride was just amazing because i hadn't i'd never watched a video on youtube nothing i had no idea what was going to happen um so like that whole lead up with like bill and the goblins and all of that was just so cool and then you're going on that elevator down and yeah i mean at least the first time before i was like you know because after i wrote it, i was like so how did they do that and you know it's uh, you know and then the next time it's like oh okay yeah um but the first time it really felt like you were going down 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 and i was like well you, I, okay anyways it was amazing and you walk and there's just the stalagmites and stalactites all over god that ride is incredible the only thing that pulled me out of that ride and i, I, th- I think we've talked about this is that harry and hermione or emma watson yeah. and daniel radcliffe didn't film for that ride and it's so obvious i mean it is when you look if you look at their faces it's like oh wow that was that was the best you could do it does look it looks terrible same with their voices the only th- thing i'd say that pulls me out and it's the very end and it's not because it can no, I'll backtrack. Like the first time I wrote it, and I I've read that there were some uh, might have been Alicia or someone was telling me that like the ride either almost went through a screen or something happened. I'll put it that way because I don't want to say something that didn't. But something happened that it changed. But I remember the first time going on it that the timing of the smoke and this is the the end of Gringotts for anyone who is confused. Where you know you're face to face with Voldemort. And the dragon comes in, the release of the fog effect, and, you know, spoilers if people don't want to know how that works, um, but, you know, the screen, or a portion of the screen raises, like, the door of the screen raises, but the way it's done, like, the smoke completely covered it, so I was I was blown away by the fact that I felt like I was literally going through, like, the screen you know, because the smoke covered the effect of the door opening or raising or however you want to phrase it. But now I don't know if it's because of that issue I had heard. And I I wish I could remember specifically what it was. I think it was on another podcast, but there's either not enough smoke or maybe the door comes up too early. I think that might've been it. But every time I can see the outline of the door raising before it leaps forward. But I remember the first time I, I had no idea it was coming and so I really wish they could either add more smoke or maybe, I don't know, I don't know what exactly changed, but something changed where it was just so seamless where then one minute you're in front of a screen and the dragon comes in and then you, you're zooming forward and you feel like you're going to go into the screen. But something happened to where it's not as seamless. And I really wish, at least the last time I wrote it, it still was really obvious and you could see the edges of the you know door mm-hmm. opening. Yeah, I mean, I know, because I wasn't, I mean, I think I wrote it like five times, but when I was in Orlando, not this past December, but the one prior, I mean, yeah, that was, I, I that was the, I actually, now that you mentioned it, that was the effect where, like, I didn't actually even know how exactly that had happened until I wrote it, like, a couple times and was watching, because that was, that was one where, like, yeah, I didn't even know what was, where we were going. Um, that ride is incredible. I need to go to Orlando again. I just feel like I've ridden Forbidden Journey so many times because I'm in L.A., you know, you know, all the time, but Orlando, yeah. there's no reason to ever go there other than the parks. Um, yeah. It's, I guess Disney's harder to say best favorite. Cause there's just so much with universal. Yeah. I've never been a huge, I know angry, anger, a ton of people. I've never been a huge fan of men in black. I enjoy it. You know, it's fun. I like, you know, the movies, but I guess I'm just more of the, maybe cause I'm more of like the film nerd where it's, when it's things like ET or Jurassic park or, I don't know. There's just so much um, filler at Universal Parks. Like, so many of the rides are just, in my opinion, they're just fine. I mean, Universal, I I mean, I know Mark completely disagrees, but I would go to, like, if I could only pick one theme park, or, like, if I had to pick between Universal and Disney, I couldn't visit the other one ever, I would pick Universal. Solely because of Harry Potter. Only because of Harry Potter. If Harry Potter wasn't there... Like when I go to Universal, I spend ninety percent of my time in the in the Harry Potter parts of the park because I, the other stuff. But Disney has everything, but none of it equals Harry Potter to me. Like add it all up, and it still doesn't outdo what like going yeah. to the Harry Potter part of the park does for me. But yeah, you're right. Like if the Universal didn't have Harry Potter, I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, soon they will have obviously a lot more. Oh, yeah. But right now, you take Harry Potter out, and that park is irrelevant to a lot of people. Yeah. Like, and I will say, had Jaws stayed, that would make the whole which is my favorite even more because I, I loved Jaws. Well, I love the movie. I'm just like a Spielberg fanatic, so I guess I'm biased. Like every every of the things I'm mentioning are either John Williams score or Steven Spielberg movies, but I love Jaws, so I'd, I would put Jaws over uh, The Mummy, personally. Well, favorite was... could be anything. Favorite could be the cat in the hat ride if you wanted it to be. Um, I feel like I feel like best ride. I don't know. I mean, it's not. There's too many. There's... there's too many levels where you can judge best. Is it technology? Is it immersion? Is it thrills is it physical thrills is it visual thrills that's where you know it's it's all subjective that's what it comes down to but that's where i feel that the mummy checks every box you just listed versus like i don't think any other ride does like checks every box that i don't know the mummy's just so incredible for me and again i'm biased but i would say the indiana jones checks every every box but again i'm biased but that's not universal no yeah. I, I just, I just, that always enter, it creeps into every conversation. Um, yeah, Mark does love to talk about, like, Mark and me will get in a call for business, and just halfway through, he's like, so, you want to talk about Temple of the Forbidden Eye? And I'm like, ex- no, Mark, we just got done talking, we had a three-hour-long conversation last night, drop it's ex- it. That's exactly how it works, but I do love that ride, and I'm having serious withdrawals, but speaking of, well, there's no segue, but <laughs> I was thinking a good since Speaking I think we, of cool rides. I was going to say, speaking of withdrawals, and then I didn't have any kind of clever follow-up, and then I realized it's probably pretty insensitive, so I'm like, all right, abandoned ship. But the <laughs> final, final segment um, that we can go into, unless there's anything else you no, want to no, talk we, about. No, no, we can that. move on. Um, is the I thought it'd be fun to we kind of mentioned it in the beginning, but to have a and again the segments we have on here will change like once in a while, maybe once a month or once every other podcast. Who knows? We'll do the armchair imagineering where we talk about last time we talked about dinosaur and um, how it compares to the original version. What maybe they could do to improve it? Could they improve it? You know, just talking about that. But for this episode. I wanted to introduce a segment where we talk about short-lived experiences or attractions that maybe not everyone knows about because a lot of the times, especially in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or 70s and 80s, especially in the 90s or whatever, you know, you don't see as much. Nowadays, you could have one event, one experience happen for a month and it would be all over every website. Um, so I wanted to talk some of the lesser known and the shorter lived. Um, we might choose a an official cutoff date for how long what you know what determines it being short lived. But I thought one to talk about because it's one I've always thought was really cool and I really miss and not a lot of people knew about it was at Epcot. Is there was a an area called Ice Station Cool, and it was sponsored by Coca Cola, and especially when you realize the Florida weather is just miserable most of the year. You know, it'll creep up into, you know, the hundreds, and it feels even worse because of the humidity. So you'd walk into the park, and a little bit after Spaceship Earth, you know, you'd see this really cool exterior, this, like, snowy exterior. And I believe there was, like, a like a snowplow type of thing out in front. And I just said, Ice Station Cool. And you go inside, and it was, and I know people use the word literally a lot um, when it's not literal, but it literally was freezing. Um, You felt like you entered like an ice cave, and there was actual snow slash ice on the ground, and it was just freezing. It was like you stepped into a freezer, and you would walk by and see these like, um, I, I guess you could call it like a display exhibit type of thing of like a um i forgot the word earlier and you had to remind me neanderthal um you know in like uh not covered in ice but you know encapsulated in ice as if like he had been caught in the ice age holding like a coke bottle and it had some information on a plaque about it about um but anyway so you would go through there and then you would exit into the uh coca-cola tasting area and obviously it probably sounds familiar because 
in uh, 2005, so it only lasted about six or seven years, it became Club Cool, which still exists there today, the whole Coca-Cola tasting thing. But it doesn't have that, that really amazing, like, miniature queue, I guess you could almost say, although I, I'm sure you wouldn't want to wait inside too long because it was freezing. Um, but I, I don't know, I just, I loved it the, the one time I got to experience it as a kid. I don't remember everything from the trip because I was like 12, but for some reason I remember that being just so, pun intended, cool that you just could go into this area that was freezing and take a break from the heat. And it was like this kind of corny, cool thing seeing like, you know, this, um, you know, early version of human, like, you know, trapped in ice with a Coca-Cola bottle and the fact that it was real ice in there. And my mind, it seemed, I always thought of it that it was snowing, but I don't think that actually happened. Maybe I'm making that up, but I thought it actually like snowed in there. Uh, anyone can correct me if I'm wrong. From what I was looking at today, it doesn't, but I think it did. I think it would have like period, periodic times where it would like snow, hence why there was like ice on the ground. Could be wrong. Maybe it was a giant safety hazard. Sounds dangerous, yeah. I was gonna, maybe that's why it went away. I'll have to look in the details. But in terms of like just the the memory of it, I just remember it being a really cool experience. And was it cool? It was very cool. It was cool. Very yeah. freezing. But and yeah, I just I, you know I want to talk about things like that. That you know it probably was a safety thing, and I could see just you know problems. The fact that you're stepping into a 32 degree or whatever you know you're basically going into a walk-in freezer which is amazing but i imagine the cost to keep it that cool probably wasn't the cheapest either especially for a place that's not generating any profit right so it makes sense that you know they ended up just keeping the the coca-cola tasting center part but if anyone i I highly recommend look up ice station cool and uh, I think there's a few walkthrough videos on it on YouTube. I know there's images, but it was just a, a fun little th- side thing to do. It wasn't like a main attraction. I'm sure a lot of people walked by it, didn't even know it existed. Um, one day I want to include it in, a, in an episode because I'm sure there's more history to it and more to it just in general. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to bring that up. because I Was think the reason really- it closed? Because of the cost? Because I... I would imagine that Coca-Cola was probably responsible for any costs, right? Yeah. I would. So, I mean, if that would be really expensive for a place that, I mean, yeah, it's a big advertisement for them, but every place in Disney is a big advertisement for Coca-Cola. Yeah. I would imagine that it, it did come down to costs. Um, it is also makes... a disturbing dead man that children walk by. Yeah. That, getting a that's... drink of soda. Yeah, and actually, I found, I'll read this because I just found uh, the plaque that I was mentioning. And again, there's photos online where you would see the, the human frozen in ice, and it said, Welcome to Ice Station Cool. This is a recreation of the most recent Refreshus Maximus expedition site where we made one, uh, it's kind of blurred, uh, one of our coolest discoveries yet. You'll discover him just around the corner. Um, further ahead, you can also discover some of the exciting flavors of Coca-Cola, coolologists who have brought back this tongue twister exciting flavors coca-cola coolologists have brought back from around the world join other coolologists and explore refreshment culture old and new that's a tongue twister yeah Yeah, that was like the plot going in i guess i like the current club cool as well i know you said you don't ever visit it but that makes sense because you don't drink soda yeah. so i mean why would you because there's nothing in there other than free i'll soda. go in there once in a while i'll go in and have a beverly sample i like the the orange one that they have and i'll just have like a little little tiny sip and there's another one that i do like but yeah i don't go in there too often but it, i think it's a really cool you know area for people to test out because it is fun to see the different flavors from around the world and you know one of them tastes pretty gnarly well, it's probably, I mean, you live in Orlando, so, I mean, it's probably pretty popular most times you're there, isn't it? Like, Oh, yeah. It's, it's free a good, drinks, yeah. It seems to be a, it sounds like corny, but it seems almost like a like a hangout. 
place, I, I've noticed. And it makes sense because it's free. So I always wonder, my brain always goes in this direction. Like, has there been anyone who just stays there all day drinking soda? And at some point they have to be like, hey, hey, man. Like, or, uh, like, a, like a grumpy along. dad that's, uh, that doesn't want to ride on yeah, the ride. Yeah. So he just hangs out at Club Cool. Or if anyone's like filling up their water bottle or, you know, bottles with it. And I don't know. But either way, it was a fun. I recommend anyone to look it up. I was trying to read what was on one of the other plaques, but it's kind oh, of yeah, hard I mean, to see. With any of these segments, uh, I mean, anybody listening, feel free to let us know which, you know, you like and which, you know, you might not think. Because we're just going to be trying out, you know, different segments. We're going to try to come up with a good amount of them and then just kind of rotate them. I don't know. We're, we're kind of we're just in like a trial, trial yeah. run right now with a lot of these. Yeah. Trial and error because we want to keep it fresh because, you know... Um, there's not always theme park news that not that it's not worth talking about, but not, you know, we only want to, or I speak for, I think I speak for both of us when I never want to talk about something I'm not interested in. And if there's a news story that maybe, you know, I don't I, I just don't want to get in. I think that's a bad habit when you feel like you have to cover something, um, and of course, if there's something really important, even if I'm not the biggest fan in the world of it, we'll cover it. But we try to stick with things that, you know, we both have an interest in or a passion in. And with news in particular, we don't want to bog it down with a bunch of news stories that um, we're not particularly interested in. And because there's a million news sites that you can go to that have been doing it a lot longer um, than we have and can probably give you even more of an inside scoop uh, like Orlando Park Stop. So we'll just, you know, we have some ideas for some segments and we're going to have some fun with it. And of course, we're always open to feedback. And uh, I mean, I guess that's probably all we have for this one. unless. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I mean, speaking of, you know, things we're trying out um, for the last few weeks, you know, we've been we've been doing a thing where if you make it to the end of the episode, you tweet a GIF or a GIF, depending on which way you say it. Uh, I'm going to cover both uh, both areas there. But. Um, you know, to tweet a image at us on Twitter. Um, but we, you know, Mark was getting some feedback from people he know he knows and, uh, you know, everything. And, you know, one thing we thought was missing from the show was trivia. Um, so one thing we're going to start introducing is at the end of each show, uh, we're going to ask you guys a theme park related trivia question uh, and ask you guys to tweet it at us on Twitter. And um, we're going to pick a few of the people that get the answer right and give you guys a little shout out at the beginning of next episode of the next episode because we like trivia everybody likes trivia uh i think so unless you're a grouch um so we're gonna try to have it be somewhat relevant unless you're a know-it-all who thinks you knows everything but or or that everyone else loves trivia well if you don't like trivia you're you're probably miserable um so let's uh we're gonna try to keep it somewhat relevant to our newest episode uh or in relation to um so this week we're gonna have some country bear trivia and i know there are like country bear fanatics out there um, that are going to jump on the bait to, to answer this one. But this week's question is, uh, what was the name of the skunk who replaced Sammy the raccoon in the country bear vacation hoedown? Um, and Mark should know this because he loves the country bear vacation hoedown. Um, but no what was, clue. Okay, Mark, you got to step it up. But uh, if you know the answer, I'm going to repeat it. What was the name of the skunk who replaced Sammy the raccoon in the country bear vacation hoedown? Uh, tweet it at us on Twitter. Mark is at yester underscore world. I am at yester underscore world underscore Q. Uh, and we'll, we'll shout out a few people that tweeted at both of us and get it right. Uh, yeah. On the and, next and, episode. Uh, and, and please, I know we're in the age where this is impossible, but try to just uh, see if you know it legitimately rather than um, Googling the answer. Maybe let people that you know legitimately know i mean obviously do what you <laughs> i'm not gonna stop you do what you want mark's but, mark's yeah. a rule stickler if you want i am a stickler know, if, if you want to look it up go crazy i'm on that team i'm on team go crazy i go on the on the see see if uh how many people legitimately know it because there are a lot of people that love that attraction that instantly know it and i i'd love to hear from and those people but obviously um either way we'd love to hear from you yeah, let us know how uh, how you liked a full episode of just theme park talk. I mean, we tried to, like we just said, we tried to, I don't know, me and Mark tend to be more interested in, like, the, the history stuff versus just kind of covering news or what, what scaffolding went up this week or whatever, you know. 
Yeah, um, and that's more of a visual thing anyways. I think a lot of it with almost most news, uh, like, y- you know, you're going to want to look at the visuals of the news unless, you know, it's like, this just in, Bob Iger resigns or something like that. Most news, it's about merchandise and food and attraction updates, and it's hard to do that, hard to do that in just a voice because you're going to look it up anyways to see what we're talking about. So, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I'm I'm good for this week. Cool. And I always forget this, and you always have to do it. But okay. I'm going to do it this week. Make sure to go on iTunes because this does help us out, and um, leave a rating. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, leave a review and slash or rating just because it helps, you know, because we kind of revamped this and um, you know, it's a work in progress. But, you know, it helps get uh, it suggested a little more and get the word out and it will um, help us in the long run. So take a take a 60 seconds to do that if you uh, have it in your heart to do so. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next week. See you guys.